welcome to episode 10 of Two-Faced Fake Snakes. This is the podcast from the little-known Irish hip-hop at the lineup. That would make me Professor T. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Dr. Toomey. How are you doing tonight, Toomey? Uh, bonjour, ça va? Ça va bien, merci. Et toi? Uh, I think I already answered. <laughs> yes, I sh- the et toi should have been said at the end of my sentence. Uh, go ahead. Anyway, yeah, uh... Jeez, well, my French was running out pretty quickly, so I'm glad I, was, I managed to even get that much out. Um, yeah, so interesting spin on it there, French. Strange, strange start. I don't know where that came from. I wasn't planning on that. It just, it just came, and obviously, I wasn't prepared for the follow-up joke. I <laughs> <laughs> sure. Is, those are always the best introductions, anyway. Yeah, okay. as they say, as the old phrase and saying goes. Yes, okay. Right, um, so we finished up in episode 9 talking about the Dude era. Now, the Dude era we discussed at the time was probably our best era musically. Um, we didn't actually get to the end of that era, but we did discuss the recording of uh, Reality Check, and we, rescu- we discussed uh, the other song that we did, which was Start Again, which was probably the two best songs we recorded during that era. Um, to, to carry on from there, uh, what we're going to discuss in this episode is the next few months of recordings with the dude. They weren't as fruitful maybe as the first few, as the first couple of months, the first couple of sessions. We did continue to make a few more songs, but ultimately I think our earlier recorded songs with the dude were our best and there wasn't much else of note during that era. And one thing what we'd like to do as well at the moment is, um, so since we started recording this, we have launched a number of social media platforms. We've launched a Twitter page and you can contact us at two, that's a two digit two, FF snakes. Uh, so that's at two FF snakes. So if you want to speak to us there, you can contact us there. We also have a Facebook page that's two faced fake snakes with a numerical two. And we also have a uh, We've a Twitter and a Facebook. Oh, that's it, really. No, sorry, you can email us as well, sorry, at twofacefakesnakes at gmail.com, and that's all in alphabetical um, style. So that's twofacefakesnakes at gmail.com. So if you have any feedback or questions or comments of any sort, if you want to contact us on Twitter, on Facebook, or via email, please do so and let us know your thoughts. We're especially speaking to those people who aren't in our immediate circle of friends and or our our close family because that's the majority of the people who started out listening to the podcast but since its inception we have reached beyond that and we also want to just recognize that people have been listening and we're very grateful for that so just a shout out to anyone in general who has listened to two-faced fake snakes obviously the majority of our listenership comes from ireland but the podcast has also been quite popular in the uk in the us canada Uh, we have a good few listeners in sweden and then we have a random selection of listeners dotted around the place some in South America, we've had listeners in Mexico, Brazil, Argentina, we've had listeners in uh, Norway, we've had listeners in Bolivia, believe it or not, and various other places around the globe. So thanks again to anyone who's been listening and continuously downloading the episodes week after week. We seem to have a steady core of listeners who've listened all the way from episode one through to episode nine. So thanks to everybody who has listened, who has downloaded, uh, and please keep doing so, and please let us know what you think through any of those social media platforms that we just mentioned. Correct. Absolutely correct.
Okay, so I think we should just launch straight in and start talking about what happened next in the Dude era. So, um, from my recollection, after we recorded Start Again and Reality Check, we did a number of other songs which probably weren't as creatively um, inspiring, probably weren't as uh, musically um, rewarding to listen back to, um, and generally weren't as high quality as the ones we did such as Start Again and even the Facebook song and Reality Check, they just they just weren't on the same level as those songs. Um, so there was ones like you did a song called Summertime, I think, again, that was a solo song that you did. We did a song, The Repo Man, which was about wrestling and various other things. Um, we did a song, um, Drink Ballad, uh, and, and there was one or two more around that era, but it really, the, the quality started to decline and it started to decline quite rapidly uh, after the, the high early peak of Reality Check and Start Again. Yeah, and maybe that was related to the sort of the atmosphere within the studio, because when we started off with those first couple of songs, uh, everyone was on a nice buzz. Uh, the dude was enjoying it. We were enjoying it. It was a great laugh. But but over time, that seemed to decrease a bit. Um, and I think it was the dude in particular, his enthusiasm seemed to wane. I think I would agree with that mainly, yes. Um, but... I think there were there were a number of reasons for that. So when we started out, let's just set our stall out here by saying we all got along really well. We had a really good laugh. Um, our personalities clicked immediately. The dude is a very easy going lad, very easy to get along with, can have a laugh, had a, had a decent sense of humor similar to ours. And it was all going swimmingly for those first few sessions. And we were developing a friendship, I, I might even say, although we never met outside the recording studio. We never met outside his house socially or did anything other than recording music. And I think we approached this relationship similar to how Dennis approached the relationship with us previously, in that we were almost all business all the time. And maybe he was like we were when we were in those shoes with Dennis, where he might have wanted a bit more than that. So we became uh, strict disciplinarians in, in the studio. <laughs> and we undermined him. <laughs> we undermined the dude. Now, uh, what we did, myself in particular, I think at, the, at this time we weren't doing recording that frequently. So when we got down to the dude's studio, I was personally, I was so desperate to get get as much done as possible that I didn't want to be kind of getting into the the kind of friendship element of things I was just kind of like Dennis was back then just focusing on the output and the heat yeah I mean I, I was the same as well I got drawn into that too and it was all about maximizing productivity during those sessions and it was less about um generally becoming friends and maybe going out for having a pint or, or doing something other than recording and we, we never did anything really other than recording and I think as that became apparent that that's the reason we were going there and it wasn't in any deliberate way like we weren't trying just to use Michael for his uh, recording setup or anything but that that's really our main reason why we were going there and I think that as that became more apparent and more clear as the weeks passed I think maybe his enthusiasm declined a bit um, in the recording sessions and we in turn didn't really produce anything of equal standard to those early songs and also he wasn't giving us any excellent uh, nearly fully recorded songs like start again or reality check to um to put our lyrics over so a lot of different factors contributed to it and i think overall everyone became a little less enthused and it almost ended as quickly as it began yeah, there, by that stage, there was a strange atmosphere. And I think uh, we had rejected a couple of his social overtures. <laughs> and yeah. um, 
we were on different wavelengths and um I think we as myself and yourself we weren't seeing each other that often so it was really hard to get a momentum going out of it um so all of those things kind of came together and the the quality of the music actually was declining a bit as well um and then he moved up to to Belfast for work reasons um and I, yeah, and I think be, because there wasn't a, enough of a buzz to keep it going, it just sort of just sort of fizzled out then at that stage when he moved to, to Belfast, which was a shame. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think there was one aboard attempt, attempt to arrange something after he had moved moved sorry to Belfast, but it it just didn't materialize, and then that really was the end of that. Um, and looking back on it now, it's kind of regrettable the way it did end because. We had such a good thing going and he actually brought so much talent to the table and mm. talent that we had never had before. We never had somebody who could play guitar and write beats, but write guitar in such a way that it was usable for a rap instrumental or a rap beat. Like that we had never had that before. So it was it was a huge gift to get all that. And he could sing uh, and he could produce beats. So he was an all rounder in terms of talent. Uh, he, he had a great place where we could go and record his, his bedroom doubled as a recording studio and yeah. we were producing really high quality songs and then and then it just died yeah. and I, I would actually lay a lot of the blame on our feet for that um, I think we, we pulled a Dennis on him and maybe maybe we were slightly ever so slightly maybe we were two-faced fake snakes <laughs> well yes uh, yes perhaps perhaps we were um, I don't know, probably time, not but um, we, we went into it yeah, <laughs> we pull off the mask at the end, and we would have got away with it if it wasn't for you pesky kids. Uh, no, uh, oh yeah. So like, towards the end, I think we showed our true colors, which were we want to get a lot of music recorded, and we want to get it recorded well, and maybe we didn't bring enough to the table, um, and we took too much from the table to to stretch the metaphor there. <laughs> Yeah, we've we've uh, really exhausted our metaphors now at this stage. Um, but I think so that was that really. And um, that was the second big knockback we'd had for, in terms of making music with the lineup. And I don't think there was enough in terms of what was coming from us, like just the two of us in terms of our friendship and meeting up regularly. There wasn't enough buzz from us or energy from us to go at it a third time in that space of time. We were just hanging around with, with different groups of people and we were starting to get interested in different things. Um, I was drinking a bit less, for example, and you were I, like you were do, just doing things that I wouldn't be interested in, like uh, going to see Iron Maiden and all that type of stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> going to music festivals over in Donington. Um, yeah, I know that wasn't that wasn't the time, but anyway. <laughs> but it was like uh, w- without the lineup, um, like that big sort of component in our friendship, we didn't have a lot to sort of naturally fall back on. Um, that was the kind of the, the centerpiece of our friendship for all those years that, that kept the buzz and the, the kind of just the fun in our friendship going. So we still like saw each other after the dude era ended. But this was like, it, it wasn't any way on a regular basis anymore. And it was within groups of people when, when we meet up with the lads or whatever, yeah. or, or social events. Um, yeah, that's that's true that's a fair point yeah um, but it's worth mentioning here though when when we when we lost the dude um, we lost him <laughs> we lost him uh, it was a huge loss it was actually a huge loss but when we lost that relationship when it was when that was over and done with we had some of our best ever music that we'd ever produced in our back pocket i'm talking about songs like reality check 
uh, songs like Start Again and songs like uh, even the Facebook song, which was relevant at the time. Uh, yet we did nothing with them. And we could have done something with them because social media was blowing up at the time. Uh, Facebook was probably at its peak of popularity. Uh, it wasn't too long after that that the film, The Social Network, came out. But Facebook as a, as a social media platform was at its peak. Uh, the likes of YouTube was thriving. Um, things like SoundCloud were available. All of these free services that were available to use that were relatively easy to set up an online presence with. Even Twitter back then. Uh, maybe it was slightly in its infancy, but it was definitely available. And we chose not to promote our music on any of those platforms. So we could have taken a break from producing tracks. We could have taken a backseat to making new songs. We could have just promoted some of the songs that we had already done. Yet we decided not to. And I think it's worth maybe exploring for a few minutes at least the reasons why we chose not to do that. Because there are many of them and they're often quite complicated and strangely contradictory to a lot of the things we did previously. Yeah, yeah, there are a, a lot of reasons uh, around that time. And I suppose one that, that comes to mind for me is like the the kind of the knowledge that we had that we had nothing to fall back on. There was no next step. So even if we did release a couple of the dude songs or put them out there on YouTube or whatever, we there was no other songs coming. Um, like there was nothing on the, the production line. Um, to build on and there wasn't enough new music to do like new gigs or anything like that so there wasn't like a lot of momentum coming uh, from us so that maybe was one reason yeah uh, I'll let you you, you take a reason there <laughs> okay we'll take it in alternate it goes um, so with me uh, the whole thing of being a rapper I, I always kind of felt slightly like a bit of an imposter I had a bit of imposter syndrome with the whole thing so as previously discussed, like hip hop wasn't my main music genre that I liked, and, and it still isn't. Like I was hugely into Eminem. I was big into Messiah J and the Expert, uh, and then a handful of other songs or tracks from other artists. But and I'd been to some gigs and stuff like that. But it, uh, that wasn't my go-to music genre. That was, it was rock music and metal music that was my passion. Uh, now. I always was passionate about the songs that we made and I loved the freedom and the creativity of making rap songs. I thought it was so easy to do. You didn't need to be able to sing. You just needed to be able to speak. Again, as previously discussed. And that was what I loved about it. And I loved the live performance anytime we ever did that. But I'm not going to lie and say that I had a vast knowledge of the back catalogue of lots of the most um, highly regarded rappers at the time or in the in history. I, I wasn't that person. I wasn't the... Uh, big um, knowledgeable person about hip-hop music you were that person but that wasn't me so I always felt slightly inferior to you in regards to that and I always felt worried that I was gonna get found out or something like that um, it, like I, I didn't feel like it was enough to love the music that we made I felt like I needed in other people's eyes I needed to be more and like I'm talking about these people who it's their whole life hip-hop they wear the clothes they go to the gigs they live and breathe it it's it's a culture it's a lifestyle choice that wasn't me realistically and i always felt a bit self-conscious about that and i had a bit of imposter syndrome about that so i think that was always one of the uh, the reasons that held me back to a degree um i didn't want to be one of these people who's like yeah i just i love eminem and then people just go oh you fucking you know bandwagon fly by night uh, fake hip-hop fan and that's that's kind of how I felt at the time. So that always kind of held me back from 
making our stuff really publicly available and making us vulnerable to criticism and discussion and accusatory comments from people almost. So that, that's all, that was all in my head. Maybe none of it was even real, but it was certainly all in my head at the time. Well, it makes sense in a way because it's kind of unheard of for somebody to be a prolific rapper and make lots of songs. Okay, they weren't released, but uh, to do lots of gigs and lots of songs, but actually not have a strong interest in the music that 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 you perf- were performing yeah like and that's, it, that's it is, it's, it is unusual. It, it's just unusual i don't think it's anything to be uh, ashamed of but or to apologize for or to explain really but i think i i know what you mean by i think maybe people who are like hip-hop heads or whatever who are really well versed in the history of the music might take umbrage with the fact that that you you were just not on that wavelength. Uh, yeah, and and also I just like to mention as well other songs like things like um, uh, quirky bollocks where I'm I'm taking the piss out of writing a song. I was also taking the piss out of myself, but uh, I, d- I don't know how that is received. I'd love to know from people who might be listening who listen to the the clip of that song where I'm like uh, anyone could rap as long as you stay in time with the beat. I'm also taking the piss out of myself, but people could probably take massive offense to that because you're like. You who who isn't even on my playing field is trying to mock me. This is my life, um, and I think maybe we could have come across like that, especially with the jokey songs a lot of the time. So, it, and I remember hearing that from from people a couple of times before at gigs. It's like, lads, I don't know whether you're taking the piss or you're serious. <laughs> and I'll go back to Eminem. Like, I, I'm not saying that we were Eminem. That's for the public to decide. No, um, but I'm not saying we were as good as Eminem, obviously, but. He was always able to mix the serious with the joke songs within sometimes the space of two tracks. And I always felt it was okay to be like that. But but other people definitely did take umbrage with that from time to time. Yeah, I think our style was like, for as the lineup was outside of the norms or the expected music that you do for hip hop. Like we didn't wear hoods over our heads. We didn't rap about rags to riches stories. We, like we talked in... Uh, South County Dublin accents in our songs uh, yeah we, we had a lot of singing in there so like we were completely different so I suppose just that just that, that feeling of difference maybe uh, was underlying that that there uh, will I take another reason <laughs> go ahead Jeff. For, for, for the fizzling out of the lineup. for the fizzling out yeah. fizzling out reason fizzling out number three um, I, I alluded to it earlier and that was the the friendship that between us we weren't seeing each other as often etc um i don't know how much more i have to say on that at the moment but I, that that's reason number three so that, that's a nice concise one there for you i think that's self-explanatory yeah. isn't it it's fairly concise and <laughs> self-explanatory yeah it's a, it's a no it's it's a pertinent one as well so we weren't seeing each other um i think the, was there ever a, f- a fear of failure as well like set, setting aside my imposter syndrome but did you ever have a fear of failure or or I'll, I'll double down on you. Did you ever have a fear of success? Wow. So reason number four, fear of success. Failure slash success. Failure slash, I'm writing this down now. Failure slash success. Okay. Um, did I ever have a fear of failure slash success? Yes, I did. But more so, it was, I, I don't know if I'd use those words particularly, but it was more related to being ashamed about being a rapper as we've discussed in previous episodes, not being fully comfortable with it. And as I got older, I was um, developing a little bit of a profile in my chosen career. And I didn't really want to present myself 
and I kind of still don't within that career as a rapper because of the past experiences that I've had with people uh, judging me or getting the wrong impression of me for being a rapper or asking me to rap on demand <laughs> as the song went. Um, so that was always in the back of my mind and especially if I wasn't like in that I wasn't happy with the music none of the music that we did I was I was happy with in terms of having the musical production up to our best and the rapping up to our best the two of those things never really coincided coincided yeah uh, so there was a mixture of reasons there so I think it was both actually a failure fear of failure and success but maybe more so success for me okay uh, did you want to yeah. say no that's about it's, I think we've probably covered off most of it yeah but there, yeah. there, 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 were, there were a multitude of things getting found out getting actually people in your job finding out um, not having anything to fall back on and just generally not being uh, around each other that much and it, it just fizzled to the point of uh, non-existence it didn't exist anymore it, it, between 2010 to 2014 we did nothing with it the only thing I ever remember doing and we wrote about this in the song The Fan was uh, playing the songs for people late at night um, at house parties and people who may have never heard it before you'd have an iPod and you'd stick it on you'd be really proud of it and you'd be like yeah 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 no we haven't done anything recently and then you'd be saying that in 2011 and 2012 and 2013 and 2014 you're like no we haven't done anything recently uh, do you have any gigs coming up no uh, that's really what I remember from those years that question used to come up a lot any gigs coming up lads yeah no none at all none planned Uh but yeah, um, so this is going to lead us on a bit because I just want to emphasize the friendship thing again because um, I think it's pertinent to the story later on. Um, so just to say on that, um, we had kind of previously discussed that isn't it a shame that we couldn't be as close without kind of this shared interest in the lineup? And when you take that away, the friendship isn't the same. Um, but, but on the other hand, that's a, that that's maybe okay that the friendship is some way required to be based around creativity and doing things like the, like this podcast and doing the lineup like maybe that's our shared uh, unique thing that we have as friends so i just wanted to to kind of flag that <laughs> yeah no that's fair enough it's a fair point um yes th- there's you could look at it and say it's unfortunate that we needed that to be close but then at the same but it's by the same token you could say it's great that we had that and it made us close as well. So you hmm. can look at it in a couple of different ways. Yeah. And I think I'm, I think I'm like that anyway with, with friendships with like, if I'm doing something with someone on a regular basis, like going for a run or just like attending a course or whatever, like school or college or whatever, I just bond with people much easier with that shared experience. I'm not very good at keeping in contact with people uh, in general. Yeah. Yeah. It's fair enough. But yeah, just like, um, all the people who produced music with us eventually did. You went and emigrated to uh, the UK to get away from me. <laughs> yeah, it was just such so, a build-up of fizzling out and <laughs> being knocked back. Just want to just want to re- refresh people's memories. There, Sir Scratch emigrated uh, Portugal. Uh, Dennis uh, emigrated or returned home China. Uh, the dude emigrated Belfast, and Connell Toomey emigrated to the United Kingdom to Southampton. <laughs> and a comment. And who stayed? Was Professor T. I stayed. I stayed in Ireland. <laughs> Kept it real. C- Captain never goes down the sinking ship, as they say. Uh, yeah, something like that. Some, yeah. some sort of mixed up uh, take. I don't know. Anyway, Southampton, 2000 and. 
2013? Four, 14, actually. Well, I think no, he might have gone over in 2000. Yeah, I went over in late 2013 to start a new life in the glamorous setting of Southampton, UK. Um, there was a position there in uh, the academic field I uh, work in, and it was a nice position, and I got over there. Um, and, yeah, I just wanted to change the scene for a few years. And at that stage, I wasn't really even thinking about the lineup anymore. For me, like... The fizzling out, as we've discussed ad nauseum, um, yeah. had fizzled out even more, if that makes sense. <laughs> it had fizzled its last fizzle. There was no fizzle left. Um, so I was over there just doing my own thing. Uh, I was actually living alone over there in, in an apartment. Um, and I struggled a bit to integrate into the UK lifestyle possibly because I was on a three-year three, three year contract and I, I always kind of knew I was coming back to, to Ireland eventually. Yeah. And I was I was back and forth to Dublin a lot. Of my, uh, my job required travelling around Europe a bit. So I never really got settled in Southampton, blah, blah, blah. Um, but spending that time alone in the apartment allowed me to focus on things. Um, so I started to cook better, to eat better. And then I just had lots of free time on my hands and I sort of drifted towards figuring out how do you do um like musical production mm. uh, i just had a, i'd always kind of been interested in that and i started messing around with fl studio and i sort of picked up the basics um and i don't know if it around that time i started to get emails from you <laughs> yeah well i don't know so which what, came what, first actually the my interest in the music production or did you email me first and then i got into it i'm not sure i can't remember it exactly either um it doesn't really matter though but uh it was all around the same time and we had an email relationship going back and forth through our, our work emails or I, I would email you sorry when you when I was in work um, and we, we started talking as we tend to do when we talk for like, uh, lengthy periods of time about doing something creative and the idea of a podcast actually came up back then as well uh, back in 2014 but what we settled on was doing a few more songs and the idea was I would come over you had gotten competent to a level of being able to produce a beat I would come over for a weekend and a full weekend we'd spend recording songs over in your apartment in Southampton. Hmm. And this was the first time that we'd actually have the, the the means to do it because I was living with my parents in Dublin before that and you didn't have the recording equipment. So this was the first time that we'd, we'd actually be able to record music. Um, and this, I suppose it arose out of those emails at the start and we were sort of writing an obituary to the lineup and saying, and just talking to ourselves at length amongst ourselves at length sorry about why it didn't go the way we wanted it to go and we, we just said after a while just fuck it let's let's give it another go come over to Southampton um, yeah. and let's let's try we can record for an entire weekend yes um, and yeah. that's what we did yeah uh, and we emailed back and forth um, and we emailed lyrics back and forth and you put beats up on Dropbox and I the beauty of technology is, is something like that gets taken for granted I think but the, the idea that you were able to produce a beat, put it up on Dropbox, I could download it, listen to it, and then write the lyrics and then email them to you. And it was it was just it was it was excellent. Like it's all the stuff we didn't have back in the day, which was just there and readily abundant. Uh, I don't know if readily abundant makes any sense, but uh, <laughs> it was it was abundantly ready as well. Um, on top of that, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. I'm actually confused by by your use of the word abundant and abundantly. I don't know. I don't it was know. unnecessary. Uh, <laughs> There were myriad other ways I could have said it. <laughs> that's a that's a, a nugget for long time listeners there. Um, yeah, so uh, 
sorry, I lost my train of thought with that rubbish. Um, You're grand. So anyway, you, oh, you yeah. came over to Southampton for that weekend, and we oh, had yeah. the Friday night and the Saturday night and the Sunday daytime. And the plan was to start recording on the Friday night, but that didn't really happen. Uh, we ended up getting absolutely locked, pissed, shit-faced, bollocks, tips to be hammered, elephants, whatever <laughs> word you want to use. We were abundantly... We had drinks and we were abundantly uh, inebriated. Um, no. uh, well, well, what happened was I arrived over and um, technical difficulties plagued us for the first four hours of that evening. And I probably only got over about five or six and we couldn't really get recording sound quality up to scratch until about 10 p.m. And by that point, we just said, fuck it, let's go out to the pub. So that's what we did. Um, and yeah, I, I'd say to cut a long anecdote, very short uh, we went out we got very drunk we went to a local pub first and then we went down to Southampton and went to a series of pubs and uh, at one point we were buying rounds of Newcastle Brown Ale and Smirnoff Ice um, that was the round uh, so there's a, I have pictures of us with multiple bottles of uh, Newcastle Brown Ale and Smirnoff Ice in front of us <laughs> mental and, and we were doing Jaeger bombs, uh, Jaeger bombs as well yeah. um, I'll just say yeah. just very quickly that like we hadn't seen each other in a while since I'd moved to Southampton and yeah. this was the reignite reignition re, oh, I don't know reignition, yeah. with the fucking words today <laughs> it was the remix to ignition <laughs> it was the remix to ignition uh, or Kelly would have loved it um, we were back um, as friends seeing each other we were back with the lineup. there was just a real nice buzz you were over in Southampton it, it was really great and that's probably why we got so <laughs> hammered yeah we celebrated by getting pissed, which is, you know, it's the only thing to do sometimes. Um, and also, I think that the technical difficulties took so much out of us that we just needed to go out and just go banana <laughs> yeah. and just get absolutely gay eyed, um, which, which is what we did. Yeah. Um, but uh, so, yeah, it came to a point where we eventually made our way back to your apartment and we both walked in. And I think I, I don't know, I, I, I no, we, we, we both went to sleep in our bedrooms and then at one point during the night I think we figured out that I must have tried to go to the toilet and I have a bit of a history with this like sleepwalking and walking around and ended up in various different places and I ended up outside the door and lo and behold I had to bang on the door loudly to try and get back in you, you weren't answering either of your phones which I was ringing um, and I banged on the door so loudly and for so long that uh, the police were actually called um, and they asked me what the hell I was doing <laughs> And uh, I mentioned that uh, that you were inside, and they were like, "And how did you get outside?" And at that time, I didn't know. We we only copped on later that I must have gone to the toilet. But that was after I got back in. But uh, yeah, um, I was like, I don't know how I got out here. We were out drinking. I I can't remember. And they were like, "All right." I was like, "Well, who are you staying with?" I was like, uh, "It's my friend." I was like, "What's his name?" I was like, uh, "Connell Toomey." They're like, "Connell." I was like, "Yes, Connell Toomey." And they're like, "Is it Connell?" <laughs> I was like. <laughs> No, it's not Conal, but you know. Um, but uh, you had one of those vertical letterboxes that uh, old kind of granny houses would have in Dublin. It's like a, a traditional letterbox is horizontal, but your one was vertical at the side of the door. And I had been banging on the door and shouting on the door and blah, blah, blah all night. And I hadn't seen that letterbox. Huh? I'd been ringing your phones, but you hadn't answered them. Um, so these two police officers uh, knocked on the door, didn't get any joy. So, and then and one of them had the ingenuity to just slide their hand in the vertical letterbox and open it and they went hello Kono and you went yeah <laughs> and you came to the door straight away uh, and I've been out there for about six hours uh, I'm sorry about that in. and one one mispronunciation of your name was all it took <laughs> I was like, in the letterbox I need to get out there to correct that uh, <laughs> yeah. 
But it was very strange. Like, I remember just hearing my name being called. And I had no idea why I was being called. But I knew I had to get up to the door, that something was wrong. And then I opened the door, and there was two policemen, and you. <laughs> I had no idea what what the hell was going on. Um, but you, were, you were completely out of it. Uh, you, you combination of sleepiness and drunkenness. Uh, so your eyes were open. But the lights were on, but nobody was home, put yeah. it that way. And, um, and I think yeah. they said to the policeman, uh, okay. Thanks very much. <laughs> and then we, we both went in and just I passed out again and then we didn't actually get up till five PM the next day <laughs> to start recording the songs. Yes. Uh and during this time we, to- we got an email from my dance store stairs neighbour who had who had saw saw you loitering outside and he thought you were a junkie. Yeah. Um uh, yeah, he was the one who called the police. He, called the police. he said in his email that I sounded like a junkie looking for a fix. Uh, that was that was his <laughs> words he used in the email to you. Um, so it was a great yeah. start. A great start. Yeah. But uh, but when we started recording at five pm, we actually knocked out that weekend about six songs uh, of varying degrees of quality. But maybe we should discuss a couple of them. Um, and I think we t- said we're going to talk about maybe Sandcastles. Will we talk about that one? Yeah, sure. Okay, we'll talk about Sandcastles. So, so we. We were at the point where we were just like starting our careers, really. And um, to me, the prospect of a career looming over me for the rest of my life um, at the age of what would I have been at that point? What, what was it, 2014? Uh, I would have been about 29, 28, 29. The idea of working for the next 40 years or so uh, in a career was just frightening and it was it was suffocating actually i'd say and it, it showed itself in a lot of our lyrics that we wrote around that time because we wrote a lot of career-based songs around that time uh, we had frank grimes shortly before then but then we had we had sandcastles and then we had a number of other songs that really touched on the idea of oh fuck what if now i'm finished college i'm finished school uh, i have to work now for the rest of my life and i think that scared the shit out of me and probably you as well yeah, definitely. There was a sense of, of meaninglessness to it as well. Um, and around this time, just on my perspective on it, on my verses in uh, Sandcastles was, I was um, working in academia, shall we say. I don't know why I'm being so uh, obscure. Elusive. The number of different ways you've come up with describing your job is actually quite uh, humorous at this point. It's yeah. bizarre. Anyway, I'm going to continue on with it. I think you've actually revealed what your job is in a previous episode already. But anyway, yeah. we'll, we'll keep this going. <laughs> we'll keep this facade going. So I was working in academia and during the, those few years of doing that, I got uh, quite a lot of uh, academic research papers published. And I remember like the initial excitement of getting the published, like the first couple of ones, and you see your name and you, you get cited in journals and stuff. But then after a while, it was like, I'm putting in all this effort and making all these research papers and they're going into the journals and that's great. But then they disappear like a fart in the wind. Like you don't hear anything back from them. And then I was just like, what is the meaning of this? Um, and that's that's where how my verse starts off. It's like, what is the meaning, the real meaning of this? It's written in the dictionary meaningless. So I sort of like took it from there. And that was kind of related to, to the career theme that you had uh, talked yeah. about there. Well, I, I was uh, at the time working in... Uh, <laughs> I've never revealed what my job is. I'm not, I'm not going to allude to it, but I was working in an office. Let's put an it office. as vague as that. <laughs> Wow, let's let's be as vague as that. Uh, no, I was working. Let's say it was a project, project related. Oh, a project in an office. Yeah, okay. project in an office. Yeah, how about that? Um, but uh, 
I, one of my lines was banalities and platitudes the order of the day uh, realities and gratitudes misplaced but hey so I'm just saying that everybody is just talking absolute bollocks and platitudes and banalities and I'm saying right, realities and gratitudes misplaced so it's me giving out about that should I be grateful that I have one of these jobs that I get to listen to all these people because it's actually a good job so is my gratitude misplaced and, but I was like no it's not uh, it's not misplaced because this is absolute nonsense and at the time I was very frustrated so all of that hmm. came out of my lyrics in that song yeah and you captured it really well and I think everybody can relate to people um, administering those banalities and platitudes uh, every day in work so yeah it's definitely a, a kind of widely accessible topic yeah and I think uh, it would be worthwhile playing some of that song now so we'll put in a bit of sandcastles now for you to hear what the first song we'd recorded in four years sounded not change it pantaprazole and multivitamins paracetamol my head is splitting and it's fitting that I'm feeling so ill and tired Another Monday in my ill-fitting work attire A pint of water washes down the torture Another week of walking in the devil's orchard Yes, he made work for these idle hands And how grateful I am and how hateful I am I stuck to the plan, felt I had no choice Spoken second-hand sentences but never my voice Banalities and platitudes, the order of the day Realities and gratitudes misplaced but hey Who am I to question? The daily grind I forgot to remember to keep a narrow mind For the dangling carrot I keep an outstretched hand Always clutching at the keys to my castle made of sand All it is Is castles made of sand All it is Is castles made of sand What is the meaning, the real meaning of this? It's written in the dictionary, meaningless. I've done everything that they told me to do, so much to improve. I changed my attitude, I climbed the social ladders, I shook the right hands, put up with your banter. I think I might stand in the presidential race in your face, I will lie and stab you in the back when the stakes are high. Sigh. This is how it goes, I'm pissing in the wind but I can't say no So yes to the pleasure, yes to the pain, yes to the working day staying the same I will succeed and the prize is near and the skies are clear What's the price of beer? Bland conversations in the castle of sand Too much hassle to plan and understand it's just sand All it is, is castles is made of sand his Okay, so that was Sandcastles. So, um, do you have anything more to say on the theme of the daunting nature of having a career in front of you, that type of thing? Uh, not at this juncture, Professor T. Okay, so that's... No, no, I don't, actually. I think we covered it off there quite well. Um, okay. I just didn't want to be abrupt and move on to the next you one. You gave me the but, option uh, anyway. I did, yeah. Thank so, you. So, another good song, I think we did. Now, we had two sessions in Southampton. I came over a second time, and... Uh, Two of the ones we did the second time round were called uh, Prettier Than All, 
um, and seize the day. And uh, I think maybe we should discuss prettier than all because we took a unique approach with this song. To my mind, anyway, it was a success because people have listened to it and they've commented on it and they have been able to understand the approach we were going for. Yeah, and I suppose this song uh, was the first ever time I sampled um, someone else's music to make a beat. And it's probably the only time I did that because it took... I didn't know you did that. Yeah, I actually, if you... So the beat was actually made, you know, at the end of the song where it goes prettier, prettier. Yeah. So I had this whole theme of a beat based around the repetition of prettier, prettier. Um, and then I made all the music to go with that. And then I was trying to like, just on my own, like put lyrics to go with that. But the repetition of that vocal was drowning out the space to to uh, rap over it so what I was yeah. left with though was all the music that accompanied that uh, that vocal um, and I was thinking of uh, Prettier I just really liked that like just stemming off from that as a topic for a song and I was thinking okay. a, a lot about um, especially like women and uh, teenage girls and body image issues and uh, the pressure they put themselves under a lot of them a lot of women and men and um, and that that just that overall theme, that overall pressure in society to be prettier than you are and prettier than someone next to you, uh, to look better, to look amazing at your wedding and all that stuff. For my verse, I came up with the idea to write it from the perspective of a mirror. I found it like pretty easy to put myself in that perspective because it's, it's such a prevalent issue in in society, really. And so the the mirror narrates the first verse from the perspective of the mirror, and then I came in and I did my verse from the perspective of the person looking in the mirror. So it tied in really nicely. The, I, I think it, the, the, it applies more to women. Um, the whole concept of beauty that you have to um, you have to attain a certain level of and you have to like, you have to stay at a certain level. You have to constantly make yourself look good and all that. I think that does apply more to women in society. But I tried to write it from the perspective of somebody with acne. Um, mm. So, but I, I towards the end of the verse, I kind of skewed it more towards being a bit of girl with acne but really it was about my experience having acne as a young person which I did and I didn't have it as bad as some people got it but I didn't get a fucking easy life from it either like <laughs> it, it plagued me for several years and I always got really bad horrible spots right. on my yeah. face like and it, it was really fucking difficult yeah. to 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 go out and to be sociable and to go to pubs or before that even gone back to Irish college. Um, that could re- really affect be, people, acne, actually. Yeah. yeah, to be around people. And it, uh, people are telling you all this stuff like, ah, um, it's just a phase you're going through. You'll get over it. It's grand. You, and that's bollocks because I still get acne to this day as an adult. So, and now, not nearly as bad, but um, I, I am prone to still getting acne. And it's it's really frustrating at the time because you feel like there's no end in sight. Um, now, sorry, just to go back I the, it, the worst of it definitely did end but um, into my 20s and into my mid 20s I was still getting that and it's just such a pain in the arse like um, it just and, and everyone has all these different like uh, battling theories about why you're getting it people uh, imply that it's diet but you know it's just there's no actual hard evidence of that and then people say it's other things and oh you need to like make sure you close your pores and all this stuff shit and it's just like all this bollocks advice that you're getting from every different angle and my uh, verse was about dealing with all of that. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and that that really like 
ties in really well with my verse. Um, and even the chorus is good because the chorus is kind of like the the woman uh, asking the mirror who is the prettiest of them all. So even the chorus has a has a theme that fits. It's not some like bullshit chorus. It actually yeah. refers to that <laughs> yeah. old adage: "Put your hands up. <laughs> Who's prettier? <laughs> Everybody to the right. Put your hands up. Everybody to the left. Put your hands down." Uh, nobody's ever said that, but you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they have. They all have. They all have in their own way. But um, <clears throat> yeah, that old, um, what's it, like a folk saying. like That old adage. adage. No, f- what is it? It's a fable. It's a fable, isn't it? Here's a Maybe. mirror, mirror on Could the be. wall. Who's the prettiest? Who's the fairest of them all? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's shite. And it's funny, I'd just like to mention, because I only realised it, but... That obviously stems from that song that we played in episode 9, which is uh, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the prettiest of them all? It's me, it's me, not you, not you, never. I'm the prettiest and the most clever. It obviously grew from that because that's very similar. Yeah, uh, I never actually put that together either. I was actually thinking that earlier when we were talking as well. It was a germ of an idea that obviously was laying dormant in your mind and then and grew into this song a few years down the road. It was in the basement and I went down to the basement and opened up the door to the room it was contained with in the basement and I let it out and I came up the stairs into the living room. <laughs> so, sorry, you have a basement that has separate rooms within it. Yeah, I thought like if you're having a basement, like there would be, I was like, I don't know, it doesn't make sense now, doesn't it? No. Cause I, so there's, there's, a, there's a basement and then within that basement there are additional Yeah, I was thinking more of like a dungeon door. actually. <laughs> I was thinking of a dungeon. Damn it. As a teenager, it was that there was no positive conversation around body image. It was always critique. I mean, I probably could trim a little bit off of some stuff. Off of some stuff. I would like to be a little curvier, a little bit more toned. I've lost a little bit of weight and I'm still trying to lose weight. For 10 years, I was on this pursuit of changing myself. I was queen of Gossip Magazine. She comes to me at the crack of dawn and stares into my soul. She's taken long to put her makeup on, but she's got somewhere to go. She's laid again, same mistakes again, but it doesn't really matter to her. When her face is in that state again, when she looks at me, it hurts. Cause she can't live up to the image in the magazines, gimmicks and the latest trends. But she can't give up, mimicking the fantasy lifestyles of celebs. She's beautiful in her own way, but her youthful looks slowly decay. And as soon as she gets home today, she'll come to me in her lonely way and say, Who is the prettiest of them all? Who is the prettiest of them all? Who is the prettiest of them all? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the prettiest, the prettiest, the prettiest, the prettiest, the prettiest of them all? Who is the prettiest of them all? Mirror, mirror on the wall. People say the beauty is only skin deep, and deep beneath my skin I feel the beauty sleep. A sleeping beauty under lock and key I keep, and I catch my reflection and begin to weep. A personality doesn't show in the mirror, conspicuous my absence, invisible to me. My facial blemishes couldn't be any clearer, and people do their damnedest to pretend not to see. But their eyes tell a story of sadness and sorrow, everybody makes time to feel bad for me. I hide my face in the pillow to block out tomorrow I wish everyone would stop looking at me It'll pass, they say, your body's going through changes But mindless rhetoric won't comfort me I buy a beauty magazine and I flip through the pages I am my own worst enemy Who is the prettiest of them all? Who is the prettiest of them all? Who is the prettiest of them all? Mirror, mirror on the wall Who is the prettiest, the prettiest, the prettiest The prettiest, the prettiest of them all? Who is the prettiest of them all? Mirror, mirror on the wall. 
you have some friends that like they do, like they do they just naturally have a flat stomach and like all you think about is how you don't have that flat stomach trim a little bit off of some stuff trim a little bit off of some stuff trim a little bit off of some stuff I, I, I would like to be a little curvier who was the prettiest of the ball who was the prettiest of the ball who was the prettiest of the ball Okay, so that was prettier than all. And I think the last song I'd like to talk about for this period of time, the Southampton era, is Seize the Day. And I think Seize the Day is another song that followed the structure of Prettier Than All. Um, and why don't you explain to people what Seize uh, the Seize Day is? Seize the Day, uh, I'm, I, I think, I'm not sure if the Robin Williams quote came first or it came afterwards, but it was along that theme of uh, Robin Williams in that film where he's in the school, what's it called? Uh, Dead Poets Society. Dead Poets Society, yeah. I think Robin Williams had just died around this time. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Um, and one of his famous uh, kind of speeches in, in that film is about seizing the day. So, like, that was probably on the back of my mind when I was kind of thinking of my verse to it. Um, and it, it was really about, like, making the most of your life and doing something meaningful and doing something, like, good and not just going into a sort of a mundane career and just seizing the day and it just remembered me it reminded me of conversations I've had with people who have told me that I'm I'm working like nine to five in say job x and in this whatever it is I'm an accountant I don't know, I don't know why I call it job x I don't know why I'm uh, <laughs> obscuring the, the, those jobs sorry um <laughs> yeah. This isn't even your own job. You're trying Why to protect. I just, you. I'm trying to protect all jobs. You're protecting the employment of everybody here. Yeah. Anyway, this is like a couple of friends who said, oh, "I'm an accountant, or I'm working in, you know, financial services, or whatever," which is like very, very lucky to have that job in, in a lot of ways. And mm. Lots of people can't do that, etc. Um, but these people telling me that they don't like the job and it's a struggle and a grind and um, that. They wished there was a few of them. He said, "Well, there was one person who said, I, I wish I would have pursued a career in teaching, and that's what I really wanted to do. And it's too late now. I'm in my late twenties, and I can't actually do that. And um, so, what I'm going to do is just continue on with my my current job. Um, and I suppose this my verse is about me trying to talk to that person to try to inspire them." to seize the day that it's not too late that that you're going to be working for like 40 years and if you really like want it and you really want to go for it then you can change your career like and I think the thing is that person was lucky enough to find something that they really loved and they, they know that they're already ahead of the game if you know that mm. um that's that's you're really lucky if you if you find that um so if it takes like f- three or four years to, to get there and be broke or whatever then then go for it I would say um, seize the day. But I suppose it's just seize the day. <laughs> but uh, I suppose it's just like I've seen that story um, so many times uh, where people, you know, in your heart what 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 you want to pursue and what's your dream. But a lot of times in life, you don't end up pursuing it, and it's always there, that in the back of your mind. I think yeah. for a lot of people. 
Yeah. Very good. Okay. And then I came in. So you had written this and you'd emailed it to me. I actually still have the yeah. email. It was and like uh, a motivational. It's like a, a pep day. talk almost. Like seize the day. And you don't know what you could ha- have if you do. Yeah. And I, and I wrote my song from the perspective of the person who was being told to seize the day. And who was explaining to this person who's telling them this, that life isn't that simple. It's not that straightforward. And you just saying that doesn't mean that it's easy for me to do that. My life is complex and it's not just a case of me needing to hear that. And it's not as if no one's ever told me that before. Do you not think I haven't heard that? And there's a multitude of reasons why I'm here and why I am the way I am. And it's just easy for you to preach at me, but you're not seeing the real picture here. And I think at one point I summarized it by saying, uh, my life is not a picture, it's abstract art. And after I said that, I realized that a picture can be abstract art. But <laughs> the point I was trying to make was that it's not something simple, it's more complex. And piss off. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And I think... I wasn't telling think... you to piss off, though. I was putting myself in the shoes of the person <laughs> being told to seize the day and telling them to piss off. Um, so, yeah. no offense. But, like... The person who is telling the other person to seize the day, etc., can be a patronising arsehole as well. Yes. Because, uh, like, that other person who hasn't seized the day has obviously thought about doing it. And they yeah. just haven't been able to do it for whatever reason. Like, it, if it was easy, they'd do it. Um, and who am I, or who is anyone to, to give that type of advice, I suppose? Mm. Unsolicited uh, advice. Unsolicited advice. <laughs> Which, in real life, I actually didn't give. But yeah. through the medium of music, I felt like I could just indulge myself and well, give that advice to no one in particular. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it turned into a very good song, and I think we're going to play that song for you right now. Seize the day, gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Why does the writer use these lines? Because he's in a hurry. No! Because we are food for worms, lads. Because believe it or not, each and every one of us in this room is one day going to stop breathing, turn cold, and die. I know that you've got bills to pay and you don't have time to seize the day, but your dreams are slipping far away. And I know it's not for me to say, but I can see the light begin to fade from your eyes, such an unfair price to pay. But there's signs, there's still a life to say, and the lies we can wash away. So take my hand, let me lead you to the place where you can be, you by the lake where we can see through the water reflects. I can see you got lost on the way. Well, that's okay to tell the truth, it happened to me. Too. It's hard to win all the games we play We're inherently strange people I know that you are working hard And you did really well to get so far But I think that you can raise the bar Cause there's more in your heart Time to be true to yourself For once is the only way Life's too short, so they say So make the most of these dying days Now we're lying awake at night Be your new dreams They slip away They slip away Yes, 
say Like it's something tangible Like it's something physical Or even something manageable Like the results will take me to the unimaginable Like we reaping the benefits The level's unfathomable You'd swear to blind the deaf choose to act that way And if a person doesn't talk They got nothing to say And that all of my problems Can be solved in a day Just a single comment from you And we're hey Presto, besto is what I will call you And I'll change so much And so quickly it'll appall you And when my new and improved personality Will befall you It'll make you so happy To the point where all you Can manage to do Is slap yourself in the back And being facetious Is not a skill that I lack You think I just need To get my life on track And I'll be happy as Larry Or Jolly as Jack Well let me tell you something You can take to heart My life is not a picture It's abstract art So you can take your brushes And go back to the start And then lean on my crutches And keep playing this part And your dreams They slip away They believe they're destined for great things. Just like many of you, their eyes are full of hope. Just like you. Seize the day. Okay, so that was Seize the Day. Um, so that's really the highlights of the Southampton era. And I think the rest of the songs don't really bear mentioning uh, there was a lot of experimentation going on uh, a lot of songs where we sang I sang for nearly the entire song and stuff that, that doesn't really deserve to be heard and we, we shouldn't inflict upon anybody who happens to be listening to this um, but Southampton was I'd say um, captured quite well with those three songs that, those were the types of songs we were making in Southampton that, they were the highlights and that was the music we produced and I don't think for people who had no experience in production i.e. you and uh, us attempting our first ever songs where we, we recreated the whole song from start to finish I don't think we did too badly and if we ever get the opportunity at some point some of those songs are ones I would love to try again with proper production and doing them really well a really good stab at it with a professional sounding studio and stuff like that yeah I'd love that too like I think that's like emerging as our our, our thing that we want to seize the day about yeah uh, that's that would be an amazing to to record that with a better music and better production so like the next step for the lineup is just to get the songwriting alongside the uh, the music production and we'll do that someday Um, but I just want to before we go I just want to say that like Southampton, those times you coming over, reignited the lineup and it reignited our friendship. And we just started to enjoy the music again. Um, and it was just just a great time to get it going again. And and that's what ultimately led on to to other creative pursuits uh, like this podcast. Yes, it did. And I, do you know what? I I'm sure that this podcast is going to result in something. I'm not quite sure what it is, but this has reignited both of our desires I think to create new music so revisiting all these songs revisiting all these eras I'm sure we will do something with this stuff and I'm sure we will put the decent songs we actually have written I'm sure we'll put them to good use yeah I think so I think like we we just we know how to make a podcast and now we just need to find a producer and make music <laughs> we just need to find out how to make a song yeah <laughs> a complete song that's all after 15 years um, okay right so that's going to do it for this episode so we're going to leave you there thanks very much for joining us and we will see you next time thank you bye bye au revoir